if life could could come into existence, if intelligent beings could evolve on this planet to the point where I'm able to talk to you over this television uh, apparatus and go out over the uh, cable or airwaves to your home, that if this could ever happen in this great universe and in all these billions of years that this universe has been as we know it today, then it has to say, we have to say one thing, and that is that there was always, from the beginning of time, the potential for these things to be there, the potential for life, the potential for intelligence, and yes, the, the potential for this television program and your ability to view it. Now, if we look at it that way, that in this vast universe there's always been a potential for these things to come into existence, and it couldn't have come into existence if the potential hadn't been there, then I think it's fairly preposterous to say that out of hundreds of billions of galaxies, each one with hundreds of billions of stars, for just this one little planet to have produced life. Of course, life could probably come into existence in many different ways, and maybe not with our air, our sunshine, our carbon base. This is perhaps where people fall down. But I think it's absurd to say that it can only be here. Now, bringing it down to you as a human being, you think that you've done something that uh, uh, you could do because you had this particular talent. I'd like to broaden that to say that man has done many things, and what any man has done displays the potential of all men, of all human beings. That if one Leonardo could produce The Last Supper and the Mona Lisa, I don't say you could do it now, but maybe in the future, maybe with practice, maybe with time, at least we have to say that you are a human being and that therefore that potential exists somewhere within you. Now, there's a lot of talk about exploring your potentials always on sort of a very limited level, that you could become a good semstress, you could become a good banker, you could begin to uh, uh, give lectures. You might not be as good as the uh, famous lecturers, but you could at least speak uh, in front of a few people. Um, this kind of thing, always sort of bringing it down to a lowest potential, a lowest common denominator. Don't pretend that you can do great things, but at least you can do little things and do them well. I'd like to take you beyond that thought in realizing that within you is the potential to do really literally anything. This is why most people, when they think of Jesus, they think of what uh, of somebody who was unique in history. And yet, didn't he say, the things that I have done, you shall do also, and greater things than I have done? He didn't come here to show us how great he was. He, show us, he came here to show us how great we are in our potential. What the greatest masters, the greatest saints, the greatest wise men and women of all time have been, we have that potential. We need to think in terms of not, you might think, well, it's boastful to say I can do anything. No, take that away from the pronoun I 
and put the emphasis on anything. Because if a thing can be done, if it's there to be done, if human beings have done it, you can do it. Boastfulness is an obstruction to success. But attunement with what you want to accomplish is absolutely essential to success. And one of the keys to attunement is to recognize that that is a part of you, that you can tune into it because you resonate to it. An experience that I had years ago in college was learning Greek. I didn't learn Greek. I hardly ever went to class. Um, whenever I was in class and was called upon to translate a para uh, paragraph, let's say, I might recognize words like uh, ho, which means the, or uh, uh, other words um, like a, uh, or brother, because I happen to be in college near Philadelphia, which is the brother of uh, the city of brotherly love. So I knew uh, philos, which is love, and adelphos, which is brother. And that more or less summed up my knowledge of Greek, so that the professor, when the time came close to the exam, said that, well, there are some people in this class that might as well not even come to the exam, and everybody turned and looked at me and laughed. And I just decided I wouldn't flunk that exam. I was determined to pass it. So a week before the exam, I picked the book up, and I looked at it, and I thought, oh, I just, I was in a rebellious mood against learning on that level. The truth is I was really learning on another level. I was trying to find what life was all about, and the thought of learning Greek grammar just seemed so petty. I just couldn't put my mind to it. And uh, so the next, I, I thought, well, tomorrow I'll study twice as long. But unfortunately, I had the same reaction the next day and the next day and the next day until finally, the night before the exam, I thought, my God, tomorrow I've got to go into this thing. I still had no intention of flunking. You see, if I had thought of it boastfully, I don't suppose I could have possibly gotten anywhere, but somehow I thought, no, that's there to be attuned to, and I'm going to attune myself to it, and once I do that, it'll come. And so the night before the exam, I said, you're a Greek, or I am a Greek. I didn't say, I'm a Greek, I said, I'm a Greek. In other words, you see, my attention was on the subject, not on boastfully declaring I can do anything, but I can do anything. And so I tuned myself to the thought of being a Greek. And suddenly I found that I was really getting in tune with this language. Moreover, I wasn't pushing and pulling at the same time, trying to draw the information in, and on the other hand, doing what I'd been doing those other evenings, pushing it away, saying, I don't want this, I don't like it, what will I ever do with it, etc. Um, all the energy that I uh, was using was drawing in like a sponge, a dry sponge in water drawing that information to me with nothing pushing it away so that my efficiency level was greatly increased. Then tuning myself with the thought of Greek somehow, I don't know why, but I suddenly felt that I really was Greek. And so I was learning my own language. And in the process, I went through the whole book and just took it all in. My head was really a little bit by the end of this. But you know, the next day, um, well, just to cut it short, two people passed that exam, and I was one of them. I don't say this to boast. I say it to emphasize a very important principle in life, that if you want to do something, feel that it's your own. Don't push it away. 
Don't get yourself into the picture because that's one of the best ways of confusing ourselves or falling over our, stumbling over our own feet. But tune in to whatever you're trying to accomplish. Now, one way to do that is to mix with people who already have that consciousness. If you want to be an artist, really what you need to do above everything else is convince yourself you can paint. If you want to be a musician, then don't think of yourself as somebody who can't. Just say, well, all right, I, I, I have to convince my mind that this is a natural expression of my nature. And one way to do that is to mix with people who already have that consciousness. You see, a lot of it has to do with our own magnetism. We attract to ourselves inspiration, ability, understanding, insight. We attract it. These things are all around it. Yogananda wrote in his uh, great book, Autobiography of a Yogi. He said, thoughts are universally, not individually rooted. In other words, we have to attune ourselves to a thought. We don't create our thoughts. If you think that uh, uh, when you're in a mood that that's how things really are, and that's why you're seeing it that way, the truth is you're seeing it that way because you're in a mood. And if you can change that state of consciousness, suddenly you'll find that functioning on a higher level of consciousness, you're attracting to yourself higher thoughts, higher inspirations, higher perceptions, and the world will look to you completely different from what it looked maybe five minutes ago. So what we need to do is mix, first of all, with those people. This is why in the Indian scriptures they talk a great deal of the importance of satsang, or good company. If you want to be a saint, mix with saintly people. If you want to be an artist, mix with artists. Mix with the kind of people that you want to become, and you'll begin to find that it's really quite easy. I live in a community called Ananda World Brotherhood Village near Nevada City, California. And we have cities, uh, centers in cities uh, in various places, very possibly near you. You could inquire. But one experience that we've had with people coming here to visit is that often when they first come, they carry their own baggage with them of worry, resentment, skepticism, cynicism, all the things that people acquire as they uh, fight the battle of life. And what has been so surprising, so gratifying, and almost, you might say, universally true, is that after a day, a weekend, or a week, they look like completely changed people. They haven't done it. Being with people who aren't uh, defensive, aren't aggressive, aren't resentful, who are peaceful, are loving, are forgiving, are accepting, um, suddenly they find that this is being brought out also from inside themselves. You are not who you think you are. You are not that person you're looking at in the mirror when you comb your hair in the morning. You're not that person who gets angry over things. You're not that person who's full of worry or cynical uh, cynicism or doubt. You aren't any of those things for the simple reason that you aren't your personality. You are a deeper reality. You might say that you're sort of a, a receiving station for thoughts that are flying, just like television programs. You attune your set to one program and you get me talking to you. You tune it to another, you get somebody shooting at somebody or swearing at somebody. You turn it to another 
and you see somebody acting in a play being very hypocritical. You see violence, you see love, you see gentleness, you see hatred, all the gamut of emotions and human realities you see depending on the program you've tuned into. And depending on the program that you tune your consciousness to, that's what you're going to get. You'll get suffering, you'll get joy, not according to what happens outside, but according to what you've attuned to. Now, the interesting thing is, I remember years ago, I was all set to leave America. I felt that America was nothing but materialists. I wanted to go to a country where people were more simple, more genuine, more in tune with nature, all those things. How many times since then have I heard people saying that? And yet, when I changed my consciousness and spiritualized it and began seeking God, Looking around me, I found people who were altogether the opposite of what I had thought. I found people everywhere in this country who were kind, gentle, spiritual, um, uplifted in their consciousness. Because what I had inside, not only did I see outside, but also I attracted. And the very people who were nasty to others would be kind to me, because I drew that out of them. So you draw experiences, you draw opportunities, you draw the right people, or you draw even from the wrong people, right attitudes, depending on the level of consciousness on which you live. Now you have within you a high potential, and its root is not in you. Your little personality, what can it hold? Your little human, be human reality, what, can, what does it amount to? Each one of us is so small compared to the vastness of the universe, the vastness of the human spectacle, the, the vastness of just what you see walking down the streets, the infinite variety. What, what the Lord has been able to do with two eyes, a nose, and a mouth is incredible. The variety just seems to go on and on. It's like no two thumbprints are really completely alike. You don't hold it all inside, no. But you have that potential because it's all around you and you have the potential to tune into it. What Jesus Christ was, you not only can be, but eventually it is your destiny to be. You were made to become that. You were made to explore the highest potential that is in you, just as this universe had sooner or later to begin producing life, intelligence, because it was conscious already. It came out of consciousness. It is a product of the infinite awareness, the infinite consciousness of God. And so it is that you, in your deeper being, are not this little self. You are infinite. I've often thought that the great sort of argument, you might say, between the people who are in the New Age and uh, uh, those who are fundamentalists is really a non-starter. They're both really, in a way, saying the same thing, just defining it in different ways and looking at it in different ways. Both of them feel that there's a higher consciousness. Both of them feel that there's a higher potential than that which we're exploring. And many of them define it as God. What many New Age people uh, make the mistake of is stating a truth 
and then misunderstanding that truth. And what many fundamentalists do is state a truth, but misunderstand that truth. Same thing. The fundamentalists say that, that uh, everything is God. Fine, true, because there couldn't be anything else. There had to be something that brought all this into existence. But they'd banish God way up there in the clouds, in the stars. And they don't realize that what Jesus himself said, the kingdom of God is within you. Now, the New Age people take it the other way. And they say, therefore, I'm God. Well, you look at a human being and you say, that's God? It's laughable. Can he create even a flower? Can he create a grain of sand? He can't do anything that, uh, of that nature. So where does he come off saying, I'm God? He can't even write a decent poem, probably. A few people can, most don't. I've said they could. They have the potential, but most don't. And to call yourself God is pretty ridiculous. And yet you are God, too. How does that happen? Well, the wave can't say it's the ocean. This is what Paramhansa Yogananda explained. But it can say that the ocean has become myself. It can say that the ocean is my only reality, and everything else is, is really an illusion. Because the form of the wave is not a reality. The wave moves, and the matter in that wave doesn't move with it. The wave is just sort of a movement over the changing drops of water as it moves across them. The reality of the wave is entirely the water of which the ocean is composed, and it's not separate from that water. Its separateness is an appearance. It's a part of that whole thing, and it can claim that as its reality. This is what we have as our highest potential. We can become like Christ if we will attune ourselves to the Lord within, if we will attune ourselves to the God within, if we will realize that to become one with him is not only our potential, our birthright. We have to get there sooner or later. The worst mafioso will have to reach there sooner or later because that's what we really are and everything else is just an illusion. There was a famous sculptor in India who did a sculpture of an elephant. And somebody asked him later, how did you do such a beautiful sculpture? He said, well, I just took a block of stone and cut away everything that didn't look like an elephant. Well, we need to cut away all those things that don't look like who we really are. Love is who we really are because that's of the divine. Hatred is not who we really are. We have to cut that away. We have to eliminate the desire to be untruthful, to tell lies, to be ungenerous, to be selfish. These things are not who we really are. And the thing is that you, it's odd, but you don't really have to work at becoming godlike because you are that. You don't have to work at being truthful. If you can get rid of the tendency to tell lies, you'll find that automatically you're truthful. You don't have to work at, at loving, or we have to work at it in a sense merely to sort of offset the tendency to be unloving, but the truth is that when you've overcome that tendency sufficiently, the natural love of the heart will blossom, and you won't help, you won't be able to help but love people, because that's your nature. Joy is your nature. Peace is your nature. Learning Greek isn't your high potential. It's good to know that you can do all these things, because it shows you're so much more than you really are. But your really high potential is to recognize 
that you are a part of God, that God is within you, that God is you.